Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Lovely, thanks so much to Sandra Mazzagnoni. It's uh, Otherwise Talking Women here on SAFM. Hope you're going to stay with us for the next hour. Us being me, Nancy Richards, Hazel McCuzzini and Albert Carson. Well, we've got a show on the show today, something that a lot of women I'm sure will relate to. It's The List. You're going to be hearing about a play of that very same name, looking at what happens when a woman forgets to do what's on her to-do list and what, is a, what a story that is. It's opening the play in particular is opening tonight at the back of the theatre here in Cape Town, so one to look forward to if you're in the mother city. After that, in our April series on marriage, we're looking today at lesbian marriage. How different is it from heterosexual ones? What are the challenges? How difficult is it to uh, get somebody to marry you? And maybe you've got some thoughts on that. And if you'd like to join us, you've got some thoughts, maybe some experience, you're most welcome. The number is 0892 Going to be talking about that after the news at half past one. We will also have a, be talking to a pastor who does marry gay people and also to two married women to tell us her, about their experience. So that's what we've got in the lineup. Uh, what's news, though, first of all? Well, 20 years on, Limpo Hani, wife of the late Chris Hani, does say that the pain is easier but that he is always in her heart. And his youngest daughter, Lindiwe, who gave a speech yesterday, says that realising that he was also the whole country's hero was an extremely difficult process. She says... She also told of the pain of living without a father who was in exile, adding that the realisation of what Harney meant to the people was both a blessing and a curse. It really strikes me, though, that there's little privacy for the grief and mourning of the families of very high-profile, well-loved, well-respected people, and I'm sure that they do appreciate everybody else's sorrow and grief, but very hard to deal with that. On a similar subject, not much more to add, I would say, about Margaret Thatcher, former Iron Lady, first female Prime Minister of, of England, not known to be a friend in feminist terms, expect to tell you that uh, coming soon is her biography, and coming up, in fact, in May, is her biography by Robin Harris. The book is called Not for Turning, tells the uh, story of the grocer's daughter to become Prime Minister. And I'm hoping very much that we might get uh, Robin Harris on SAFM Literature, which, as you know, comes up to you on SAFM between 1 and 4 every Sunday. And just whilst we're on that, just looking ahead to this week's SAFM Literature, a real heads up this one, going to be talking to award-winning Lauren Bukas about her much-awaited novel. It's called The Shining Girls, and it is a breathtaking time travel, I can tell you. But just back to Margaret Thatcher, rather unflatteringly, I would say, uh, in the UK, apparently her death has brought the song Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead, from the original version of The Wizard of Oz, flying back into the charts. Ish. Not much respect for the grief of families of high-profile people at all, I guess. And just on respect for privacy, well, the Norwegian, the 19-year-old Norwegian exchange student who was raped just the other day on Signal Hill has asked the embassy, her Norwegian embassy, not to divulge any information about the incident. But I guess what we can divulge and what we can learn from it is that, sadly, Signal Hill is just not a safe place for young lovers or, indeed, for anyone after dark, which is a great pity because it's at that time that the view is spectacular. But there you go. Also looking ahead, just briefly, uh, on the Enviro show tonight, between 9 and 10 here on SAFM, we're going to be looking at ESCOM's nuclear program, find out what's going on there, what they have up their sleeve that could or couldn't affect us all. We'll also be chatting to the 49M ambassador, and we'll hear about the issue of the Masai Mara's land problems. 
and also a little bit about bamboo, which is thought to be terribly green and sustainable and wonderful, but I wonder. So we've got all of that lined up, and just lastly on the health front, something to know you might, uh, if you've got somebody in your family who's suffering from an eating disorder, whatever it may be, whether it's bulimia, anorexia, whatever, before you dismiss it as simply attention-seeking, just read this in Move magazine, uh, that eating disorders can in themselves lead to infertility, heart problems and digestive issues because when somebody is starving themselves vital organs such as the brain bones kidney and liver can be damaged and even result in death so take it seriously if there's an eating disorder in your family and take it seriously here on otherwise because uh, we're talking women this is sarah no she's a recruiter not this guy no. It took Sarah 24 cups of coffee and a mountain of CVs nope. to regret not using Career Suite. Seriously? Tailored for the accounting, audit and financial arenas, Career Suite gives you a concentrated pool of top candidates with access to services like competency evaluations and assessment tests. So while recruiters like Sarah or yourself know the type of candidate you need, we know them by name. Register and start browsing CVs today at careersuite.co.za. Need to renew your TV license? Pop into your provincial SABC TV license office, update your details, and you could win a 32-inch LCD TV. So whether you're living in Pretoria, Porokwane, Bloemfontein, Durban, Kimberley, Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, Nelspruit, or Johannesburg, we are here to help with all inquiries. So go local. Step into your SABC provincial office today and stand a chance to win. TV licenses making a difference. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Otherwise, talking women, and uh, if you're a woman, I wonder if you're a great list maker. I know I am. It's one of those things that you do every morning, and you make a list, and you just hope to heaven that you're going to have half of them at least ticked off by the end of the day. So very much a female thing, and very much a female thing, is the play, The List. It's an award-winning play. It was originally written in French by Canadian writer Jennifer Tremblay, and simply put, I think it's, it's about a woman who, like so many of us, meticulously makes a to-do list and the consequences of what happens when she forgets to do one of those items that's on her list. There's a whole lot more to it than that. It's uh, opening tonight in Cape Town at the back of the theatre, so if you're in town and you uh, think that you might have an opportunity to go and see it, I believe it's absolutely brilliant and it's uh, running through until the 23rd of April, if I'm not mistaken. Well, to tell us a little bit more about it, we have on the line both the director and the actor. We've got Leila Hendricks. Hi, Leila. Hello, hi, hi Nancy. Yes, nice to have you with us. Thanks very much. And we also have actor Susan Danford. Hi, Susan. Hi, hi, how are you? Excellent. Nice, yes. day, nice to hear that you're back on the stage and looking forward to hearing a little bit more about what this play means to you and some of the other things that you've been involved with. But later, I'm going to start with you. Um, I'm, I don't know if you know very much at all about Jennifer Tremblay. It seems that she's uh, quite a well-respected writer. Do you know who she is and where this play is coming from? Yes, um, she she actually began as a poet, okay. um, and she had published an, an anthology of poetry, and then um, she had three children herself and moved to the country, and this play comes out of that time, um, so it's quite a poetic play, and it's a, an investigation into a woman during that time when she's looking after small children, trying to kind of keep a handle on everything, and she does this through list making. Um, and then it's an exploration of the list, what stays on the list, what falls off the list, what gets bypassed, and something falls off the list but very, with huge ramifications. Yeah, so she's a poet, sorry, to get back to yeah. your point. She's, yeah. a, she's, she's a primarily a poet and then went on to become a, a playwright. So it seems like it might be a little, ever so slightly autobiographical because I think uh, she moved to the country and I think 
that the yes. that the heroine, as it were, in the play also moves to the country. Yes, yes, I think it is. I mean, it's such a personal, such a in-depth and honest, very brave kind of investigation of that fraught time of looking after small children. You know, and, and trying to kind of keep your own sanity somewhere, and you know, not to say that it's, you know it's a beautiful but fraught time, um, and so it, it does come from a very, very you get that feeling a very personal and, and and private space. Is it a bit of a raw space? Is she does she move to the country to get away from something? Is she a I think single she mother? moves to the country initially. Well, our character as a sort of a more of an an, an I like uh, in the search of a kind of utopia. She wants mm. to create more time. She wants him to have more time with her husband. She wants to... That, I think that's where it sort of comes from. But mm. instead what happens is that she gets her life kind of... From, from being in the city, it goes very small. And all she's really got are her children and her husband, who then commutes um, back and forth. But it's not really so much about the, their relationship, but yeah. more about her relationship with someone she meets in the country, another woman who's doing things in a, in a different way. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Now yeah. you're starting to get cryptic. <laughs> what, what, is, what is our heroine's name, just so that we can... You know, she, actually, she doesn't have a name. Oh. We call her the narrator. The narrator. Oh. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, that's obviously deliberate that she doesn't have a name. So does she become yes. every woman? I think so. I think, um, I mean, there's definitely things I can relate to. I also have three children. Um, Susan's got one. You know, one recognizes those moments. You, you can't help it. Yeah. Are you also a list maker, Linda? Um, I am a list maker, not to the extent that this character does it. Um, I probably, I think I probably will be after this. <laughs> I mean, lists definitely work. There's yeah. no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Even if they, yeah. even if it's only to remind you of what you've forgotten. Um, <laughs> yes. So, so, so you, three children. Okay, there's the three children, three children. And Susan, you've got one. Yes. Tell us, give us your take on this no-name character, this <laughs> the narrator. What, what sort of a person does she feel like to you? Well, certainly, as uh, Lela and I explored through rehearsals and and uh, working, taking basically the text off off the page and putting it onto the floor, there's no doubt she's a conscientious, rigorous woman driven by an iron will, and she has a real sense of duty as a wife and a mother. So we're not questioning the, we're not questioning her integrity um, in society or as an integrity as a mother or as a wife she she really knows you know how she would like things to be um, and strives towards that and I think we've we've through her list she she manages to you know keep things together and um, but her essence is is not on the list which is she's a bit of a dreamer and she has these fantasies of I suppose not even fantasy, but real life wishes of of, of having achieved something else, um, which the lists keep her from having to, you know, investigate. Okay. So, so she she keeps her lists going to avoid having to look inside herself. Oh, shame! Eh? Uh, yes, <laughs> sound familiar? <laughs> well, yes, because it, you know, if you concentrate very firmly on what you've got to do right now, you know, first do what needs yes. to be done. It, yes. it leaves all the mm. other stuff that could I be. Think Beautiful, there's a beautiful um, line in the piece where she says, each of my actions are focused on a goal, but none of them move me forward. And um, so it's about being busy, keeping the busyness going, and, and forgetting about yourself as, an, as the individual. And, it's, and, it's, uh, and she's, you know, we, we, I don't know, I'm not sitting on the outside of it, but certainly playing her, you kind of, there's this real desire for her and her friend because ultimately it's about a friend, a, a new friend that 
really requests an act of kindness or a, a, a very slight reaching out, um, and she neglects to do it. And so the play does investigate charity, and it investigates, you know, how busy we are, and do we really know our neighbours? Do we really? Can we really stop and help someone who needs assistance? Does she neglect to do uh, what the friend requested deliberately or by accident? By accident. Well, it's, it, I think the audience end up deciding. I mean, I think yeah, I mean, it was a, it's a very slight request. It's not sort of a big request. Yeah. But it just has huge ramifications. Yeah, and yeah. she didn't take it as seriously as the friend did. And so, and we sound all cryptic, but it is written in a thriller kind of style, yeah. isn't it, Leela? Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, I mean, you know very early on what, what the end result was, but it's about the investigation of where she's at, and she questions herself. Um, mm. And so beautifully written. I mean, I think what Jennifer has done, I mean, the text is written in very short, succinct, precise sentences, which reflect the thinking of this woman. She's sharp, she thinks fast, she thinks quickly, and, and the structure of the writing really has been a great insight into who this woman is. And she also explores various, in her thinking, it's sort of her private thoughts, as Leela was saying, there's some taboos that are addressed. Um, you know, that maybe it's not okay as a mother to say, heavens, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Do I really want to have to cook another meal tonight? Or, and it's not, and she's not complaining. She's not whining about it. I mean, I think there's great humor in the piece. Sort of a dry, recognizable humor that Leela and I have had many years. As long as she's only saying things like, gee, I'm exhausted, not I hate my children. Exactly. Uh, you know, because when you're sort of, having relocated the country to find this utopia that clearly she's mm. not getting and having to look after everybody, clearly she's had to put herself completely on the back burner. Yes. Bitterness? Are, are we looking at bitterness? Well, I mean, I think moments of bitterness, but no, yeah. not. I, I mean, it's not. It's not really that because what's driving through her is she's constantly questioning what went wrong with her friend. She has this huge sense of that she's she's at fault somewhere. So it's not really bitterness because it's a. It's a, she's she's going back over time, looking at those little moments between the lists of what fell off. And uh, what did yeah. she not hear? And what didn't she see? Perhaps. And she invites the audience to, she unpacks the story and says, could you see that? Did you see that moment? Because in a way, I probably, I missed it. And um, it moves at a tremendous pace. And then there's these moments of real sort of um, subconscious revelations that are actually so poetically expressed and so succinct and so precise by Jennifer Tremblay that... um, yeah, it, 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 we haven't heard very much about the friend. Does the friend appear? I don't think the friend appears. No, but, but, Caroline. But she is sort. Of, oh, she yeah. has a name. She, she, has, she has a name. <laughs> she has a name. <laughs> she's, she's somebody that she's met in the country, so yes. she comes from a different sort of mind space. Yes. Um, and she's and in the beginning, our character is quite disdainful of her, or quite a little bit snobbish, or you know, she's a country bumpkin, and our character comes from the city. Um, and then as time goes by, this real friendship develops, but she overlooks a request from the friend. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We're going to be talking, not that I'm insinuating anything into your play here, but we're going to be talking about lesbian marriage later on. Right. But I'm just, so, you know, as I say, no, no connection whatsoever. Mm. But do we explore the relationship between these two women? Have they become dependent? It sounds like there might be a bit of dependency from Caroline. Mm. I think they 
give each other different things. I, I wouldn't say dependency. I would just say um, they, they they provide each other different points of rest. I suppose mm-hmm. um, you know there's a, it's a friendship. It, it develops into a into a real friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I think they they they've got huge lives themselves that they're busy navigating. You know. It sounds like it might be, I suppose it's the fact that Jennifer Tremblay, I suppose it is Tremblay, uh, was a poet, but it sounds like it might be rather beautiful. Is it, Susan? Yes. Is it beautiful uh, to read, yeah. to, to, to deliver? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly, it, it, for, for me, it, it, um, it, it, uh, it takes what we're saying, the everyday moments, and, and it really places it into something quite majestic, quite, uh, yes, lyrical, and... Um, Again, so articulate, it is. It really is quite, um, I, I mean, for an actor to be able to work with that kind of writing uh, is a true gift. And it, uh, and it has been awarded a number of times. So yes, it won the Canadian too. Governor General's uh, Jury Award. Um, um, yes, uh, uh, she's been, yeah. Over the, uh, I think she wrote it. Leela, I'm open to correction, but did it, in, it was it 2003? Yes, yes. And yes. then last year, the the piece re- received another huge award in Canada for its contribution to Canadian uh, playwriting. Mm. Um, and uh, yes, she achieved the universal with such an economic hand. Yeah, yeah well, I look, really yes. look forward to seeing that one. Mm. Um, I'm just going to move away from the play for a minute because, right. you know, we have a, a feature on, sometimes on our program when we look at my story, and I'm just feeling that the two of you equally have stories as mothers, as people in the, in the, in the theatrical world. I'm going to start with you, Susan, because I think that this play, whatever else it may be, it's brought you back to the theatre after a four-year break away. Was it a deliberate break? Was it well, a baby-bearing um, break? Somebody else asked me about my four-year breakaway, but uh, it hasn't been a four-year breakaway, okay. so I don't know how that um, kind of got out there, because I have um, maybe four years since I performed at the Baxter. I think that's, okay. that's what it is. Um, last year I did Green Ma- Mike von Franz Greenman flashing at, okay. at Artscape, and mm. uh, we traveled to Grahamstown. And then my... Um, production of I, Claudia, which was a masked show, one-woman show, um, that I had produced as well. That traveled for over two years, including as far afield as Botswana. And then I was also in um, uh, Broken Glass, Arthur Miller's Broken Glass with Sir Tony Show at the Fugard Theatre. So um, I've managed to do one theatre piece a year, which I'm really thrilled about. Yes, because, I, yes actually, I shouldn't um, have asked you that because uh, I saw both Broken Glass and we spoke yes, about I, Claudia, yes, so I, yes, I know about both right. of them, but so I shouldn't have been deceived there about the four years. No, but it is, uh, the last time I was at the Baxter was, um, I did I, Claudia here and also Betrayal with Andrew Buckland and Jeremy Crutchley. Yes. Can I just go back to the line that you quoted, Leela, I think you quoted it, each of my actions is focused on a goal, but none of them moves me forward. Mm. Susan, does each and every play move you forward? You know, at the time, I have to say, each experience is unique. I don't think of, I don't enter that world thinking of that at all. It's, um, I really uh, embrace and love being a storyteller and uh, being part of an ensemble and theatre certainly is the perfect uh, space for that. And uh, I never, I never think of oh, what's you know, how is this driving anything? And I certainly know 
um, after I guess being at this for 25 years, that um, there's a resonance that that brushes off or gets sprinkled later on, some more immediate, some later. Sometimes you don't know why you've done something, but it's um, for me now. It's it's about being present with each project, and uh, and at the moment for me the list is so. Delicious. Oh, good. <laughs> Exploring and, and working with Leela and, and working at the Baxter and Lara Foot bringing this beautiful piece of writing to us, you know, and Jennifer Trombley. So it really, for me, it's about here and now. Yeah. Well, it sounds like here and now. And if you're in Cape Town in the here and now, do go and get to see it because it sounds mm. like a, one, one really worthwhile piece. Leela, what about you? Um, you know, you're, you're focusing on goals. Are you moving forward? I can imagine it might be quite difficult to do much with three children, as we learned from our no-name narrator here. Quite, um, is it quite tough? Do I move forward? I'm not sure. I suppose it's, you move sort of sideways and <laughs> a bit forward and then back. And um, I'm, I'm a theatre practitioner, I would say. I, I mean, I teach... I teach acting at Wits, and, I, and I've written a, a, a book about Barney Simon with Irene Stefano. And I've, I mean, I do what I can get, and sometimes I act and sometimes I direct. So I'm, I'm not sure it's really moving forward and a sort of, you know, a bladder. Moving <laughs> <laughs> <But, but, laughs> sideways. Uh, you know, we always sort of we come back to this again and again on this program because it's a woman's program. But how do you cope with... Because one of the things that we're learning about the no-name narrator is that she, her goals are very much focused on the children and the family and and trying to make all those things happen, so she's kind of on mm. the back burner. Do you do you find that it's quite difficult to make a little bit of a space and and see mm. your own light at the end of the tunnel? Well, yes, not the I end of the it, tunnel, but you know. I think it really is. I think it requires you have to really kind of focus on it and identify it as something so important that feeds back into everyone. Um, and without that, you're sort of half of who you are. But it is. It is. It's a. It's a constant juggling, and it is incredibly difficult. It is. You dropped in there, I take whatever I can get. Is it quite tough um, times in the theatrical yes, world? Yes, I think it is. Well, I've been fortunate in that I'm able to, I am able to move into different areas. But it is. I mean, it is, it's not, it's not a, you know, one is freelance, so, so you, you do whatever arises, and sometimes they all arise at the same time. And yeah. <laughs> I must say, I was talking to somebody just the other day, and we were saying how blessed we are in Cape Town, but I, I think certainly in Johannesburg, I'm not sure about the rest of the country, but in Joburg, Durban, and Cape, certainly in Cape Town, with with some wonderful theatre, there's just some fantastic things on. I saw I saw The Line the other day. I, you know, there's just so many, the, the Epicene Butcher, there's so many wonderful things going on. It's hard to believe that it's really, that we're really in trouble. Um, what is the problem? Are we not getting the audiences? Is there just not enough productions? What, what do you see as the problem? And um, me. I'm not sure. You know, I think this has always um, has, has has battled with something or another, with funding, with. But I know that theatre will always be made, whether it's in garages and theatres, and you know, it's, it's, it's a it's, there, there's a need. So, and there are such extraordinary productions emerging. And I think, yeah, I mean, the, the theatres, I think it's, it's a question of funding, isn't it? It's yeah. a, it's a, I, I, I think so, and also that sense, a, a sense of continuity. Um, so a lot of wonderful productions are also produced independently. And, and um, so one does run out of funds to keep it growing or to get, you know, to be able to keep the audiences uh, coming back. So it is a constant challenge, I would like to say, um, to keep audiences engaging in, in the cultural language of the country. Um, I think we do, we do a, a lot of um, 
you know, it, it, sport just uh, uh, is such a necessary part of the South African identity. Um, culture is too, and yet um, it it always seems like that extra car drive to go out at night, or <laughs> it's that extra little bit of effort. And I do think we're up against um, new media, where um, we can be entertained in our own homes. But um, I, I certainly feel that we get we get positive support from. Uh, audiences in Cape Town, as, mm. as as much as one can never relax about whether people come and see a piece or not, mm. it's often getting word of mouth out there and people needing to know that something's on. Well, saying it for culture, thank you very much, Lila <laughs> Hendricks and Susan <laughs> Danford. Lovely thank and look forward to seeing thank your you play. So much. Good luck. Take All care. Right, okay. Bye bye. Well, they were talking. Lila was the, is the director, and Susan is the actor. Susan Danford is the actor, and the play is called The List, and it certainly sounds like a a great one for women to see. It's on at the back of the theatre. It's opening tonight, in fact, and it's running through until the 23rd. And it's not a, it's not a huge drive. Well, it, it depends where you live, I suppose. But do get there if you can. It certainly sounds like a good one. And stay with us right now, if you can, here on Otherwise. We're going to be talking about, in our April series on marriage, we're going to be talking about lesbian marriage. So stay tuned. One thirty. time for the news headlines with Asanda. Thanks very much, Asanda. I'm Rick here on Otherwise. Well, last week in our April series on marriage, we spoke about child brides, you might remember. Well, today I think couldn't be more different in that a woman who has married another woman has made that choice for herself. And uh, child brides, it seems, have very little choice in the matter. But how difficult is it to make that choice? Who or, or what may get in the way? In a minute, we're going to be talking to two married women, both coincidentally, both of them called Sharon. Uh, Sharon Jackson, who's the deputy director of Out in Africa, that's the uh, Gay and Lesbian Movie Festival. And Sharon Ludwig, who is with the Triangle Organization, that's a gay, gay support, uh, gay support organization. It's, she's actually health and support services manager. Both of them are married, not to one another, and both are married respectively for three and four years. But before we hear their stories, we have on the line, we have Pastor Noctula Gladla with us. She is a, a gay and lesbian activist. She's also a pastor at the Hope and Unity Metropolitan Community Church in Johannesburg. Hi, Pastor. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. Can I call you Nokatula? Yes, it's Lovely, you. thank you. Um, tell me, how long have you been a pastor? Uh, for almost 13, 14 years. Okay. And I'm just thinking that uh, same-sex marriage became legal here in South Africa around about seven years ago, I think. Yes, in November 30, 2006. Okay. Yes. Did it make a huge difference, would you say, to the gay and lesbian community? Yes, at the time, did. and was there a flurry of marriages? Yeah, there were uh, before uh, the, the 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 marriage was legalized. People were, you know, coming forward wanting to show their commitment to their loved ones and also to God. So we've done uh, quite a number of marriages that uh, were not, like, legal. Okay, that was yeah, before 2006. Yes, before 2006. We, we did that in, 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 in the church because people are, you know, they, are, they have a spiritual journey with God and they wanted to show that, that, you know, they show commitment. And also, you know, when the Bible tells us no sex before marriage, so people believed that, Marriage is it's important for them. Yeah. The Hope and Unity Metropolitan Community Church, is it, uh, is it a South African-based church? Where does it have its roots? 
it, it, it is a South African-based church, but we are affiliated with the uh, Metropolitan Community Churches in America. They have different uh, MCC churches all over the world. And the when, when you, I mean, presumably now, because it's legal, one can marry, one can get married anywhere, but I'm, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. I'm sure our two Sharons in a minute will be able to help us. Are you one of the few pastors who will marry lesbians? Uh, right now, I'm still waiting for my license. There's one pastor in Pretoria, Pastor Janine Petronas. Uh, she, uh, uh, she, she can do that legally. But, so we, yeah. Yes. Okay, so you're still waiting for your license to do it legally. Yes. Okay. Okay. What what is the what is the sort of process? What is the the service like? To uh, if a couple wants to come along and get married, do they need to come to you beforehand? Do they need to come on a, a regular basis? Just tell us the process. Uh, the marriages that we did in the past, people would come to to church and. Maybe even non-members will, will call in and say they want to get married then. We have a process of doing the counseling first. Uh, sometimes it takes three to six months for, for that. So then we prepare the couple uh, to get to know what they are doing because it, it, we, we were taking it a very serious, you know, like straight churches do. Mm-hmm. Whenever someone wants to get married, you don't just marry them, you just you help them to prepare for their journey because there are different kinds of issues that need to be ironed out before you know, people can uh, get married. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the prepare, they, first they need to get to know one another, be sure that they absolutely know what they're doing, but they also need, in this case, to be able to deal with challenges that a, a straight couple might not have to deal with. What sort of issues are you able to help with from the counselling point of view? Uh, it's issues like uh, acceptance, the family issues, and, and you know, community at large, but some couples come with problems with the, their families where maybe one in, in that is not being accepted by the family, so they get to struggle so much because sometimes you want to have your whole family to celebrate and and be able to be part of the the whole you know the whole marriage. So they struggle with uh, family issues mostly. Yes, and I would yeah. imagine in some communities, as you know only too well, uh, it's not just the family issues that they would be dealing with. There would be community. There can yes. be community flack. We know about corrective rape. There can be all sorts of oh, things. Yes. So there's a whole lot of different kinds of issues. Yeah, yeah. Do you find yeah. that couples sometimes come back to you during their marriage for help and support? Yeah, yeah, they do, you know, because I, I believe that every uh, marriage has its own ups and downs. Even, you know, with straight couples, marriage is just a marriage. You know, with two people involved, sometimes it gets to be very frustrating to get to know one another and all those kinds of things. So I don't see any difference between the heterosexual and the the, the homosexual marriage because you know people are people. Uh, problems come uh, in the marriage, so they just need to be pushed along the right direction. Yeah. Mainly, for an example, 
you know, some people can struggle with communication. Those are, you know, it's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's like a, a universal language where marriage is, 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 is communication is very important. So some people struggle with their communication. So we help them with different kinds of things. Um, Noctula, if anybody would like to get in touch, you're there in Johannesburg at the Hope and Unity Metropolitan Community Church. Um, have, so you've got a website, have you got a phone number? Yes, I can give them the numbers for Reverend Paul Mocheti. And the number is? It's 082. Yes. 92. Yes. 800. Yes. 62. Okay. Or my number? Yeah. 081. Yes. Five two six. Yes. Uh, five, uh, five, five eight nine zero. Five eight nine zero. Okay, we're going to let you go. Your line is not terrific, but thank you very much and thanks for sharing. Good luck. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Pastor Noctula Gladler, and uh, if you'd like to get hold of her, oh eight one five two six five eight nine zero. The Hope and Unity Metropolitan Community Church, who sound indeed to be really very supportive. Well, as I say, we do have two married ladies uh, who are going to tell us a little bit about their story. We're going to be talking to Sharon Jackson in a minute. She's the Deputy Director of Out in Africa, the Gay and Lesbian Film Festival. But first, we've got Sharon Ludwig on the line. Hi, Sharon. Hi. You're with the Triangle Project, or Triangle Organization, at least. Um, how long have you been married, Sharon? Four years. Okay. Uh, seven years, I think it was made legal. Did you, were you absolutely delighted when it was made legal? I mean, I don't want to pry into your private affairs, <laughs> but how long has your relationship been going before you got married? Well, I was part of the same-sex marriage case that took uh, the case to the Constitutional Court. So for me, it was a process way before 2006. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, as part of, of the case, uh, it started four years prior to that. Uh, working on the case and, and taking it. So by 2006, um, you know, of course we were ecstatic that it, that it had got to that point um, and that, you know, marriage um, was something that could be enjoyed by same-sex couples if they so uh, chose to, yeah. to marry. I would imagine that there at the Triangle you must have come across a lot of, uh, a lot of frustration and unhappiness and sadness at, at not being able to get married and maybe, uh, maybe awkwardness, perhaps going to churches or, or mosques or temples or whatever and being turned away may have been quite, quite difficult to deal with. Well, of course, yes. I, I think it must be made clear that as in, in uh, heterosexual couples, uh, or heterosexual, the heterosexual community, that it is the same in, in uh, the LGBT community in, in that uh, marriage is not something that everybody chooses to, but it is, a, a, it is a frustration because if we're going to talk about equality, then we must know that, um, you know, if marriage is an option for some in, in society, then it needs to be something that is an option for everybody. So, of course, yes, there, there was frustration, and, and it was a case of, it, it was a human rights issue it needed to be something that was available to everybody. Um, and this was the reason that it was taken up and it was pushed. Um, and it, yes, that frustration still exists today with churches. And as, um, as, as Pastor Gladler was saying, um, it remains a challenge. Um, it remains a challenge because LGBTI people cannot marry in, in a church. Um, even though it's legal? Even though it's legal. Mm. So um, most, in fact, all denominations will not let LGBTI people marry within their church. So when an, 
when a gay or lesbian person chooses to marry, they would need to find either a church that is privately owned or they would need to, to find an alternate venue. Uh, so some choose halls, some choose the beach, some, you know, they pick a venue and, and would marry there. Yeah. Um, so that still remains a challenge because there's many people that are people of faith, um, of all different faiths, not only the Christian faith, that would like to have their, their marriage affirmed in the place of worship, um, but are unable to do that. Does it put an extra strain on the couple? I mean, heaven knows it's hard enough to get married. Well, it's not hard enough to get married, but, but every, every relationship comes with challenges. Uh, does it add to the, to the burden of, uh, you know, committing yourself to one another? Well, I, I think for people of faith, it might add an, an added dimension because mm. if you are blessed enough, and I use the word blessed because I am also a person of faith, but if you are um, lucky enough to be a person of faith that lives in a center where there happens to be an affirming church, then you will have the support of that affirming church. If you happen to live in a rural or peri-urban area where there is no support for your relationship and you are a person of faith and you don't have, for example, an MCC or a Reverend Ludler to go to mm. who is lesbian, who is married, who is um, an amazing person of faith, an amazing uh, person who um, has been a stalwart for LGBT uh, people and certainly in her community, heaven knows, has taken a lot of flack in her time. Mm, I'm um, sure she has. Um, it, then where do you go to if you're a person of faith? Because if you're a heterosexual person, you would find those kind of support structures if you're a person of faith within your faith community. But if you're an LGBT person who is marrying um, and is struggling in your marriage and you know perhaps have this issue around faith, and a lot of people do have this crisis around reconciling spirituality and sexuality, and then it pops up in your marriage. Where do you go to? Who do you turn to? If you live in a city or a town where there happens to be an affirming space for you, that's fine. But if you don't, yeah. it can be challenging. Well, in terms of support, um, Sharon Ludwig is uh, the, uh, with the Triangle Project and, or Triangle Organization. If you'd like to get in touch there, triangle.org.za, triangle.org.za. And also married by Parson Octula Dada yourself, I think, Sharon. Um, no, I wasn't. Oh, you weren't? No, okay. I'm in Cape Town. She's in Joe. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, it's been lovely having you on the program. Let me give out the details if anybody would like some support as a lesbian couple, if you'd like to know more information on triangle.org.za. Sharon, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay, then. Well, we do indeed have another Sharon on the line, Sharon Jackson. This time she's the Deputy Director of Out in Africa, which is a gay and lesbian film festival. Got her on the line. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Nancy. And how long have you been married? I've been married about three years now. Okay. Did, when, when it became legal, did you, had you been in a relationship uh, you know, with your partner now? Were you rushing to get married, or, or did it come later for you? No, it came later for us. I mean, we mm-hmm. have known each other for about 25 years and um, been together for about eight years. So um, it, it wasn't something we rushed into, but yeah. it's that case of... It's terrible being in a position where if you would like to get married, um, you know, to have a law that says you can't do that. So we were just fortunate to be in this wonderful country with this amazing...
amazing constitution. Yeah. Yes, I suppose to, to be outlawed and not be allowed to do something that, you know, it feels for you to be very natural seems absolutely criminal, really, doesn't it? I'm not sure if you were listening to the pastor earlier. She was talking about the counselling that they offer there at the Hope and Unity Metropolitan Community Church. Is counselling, would you advise another, another lesbian couple to have any particular sort of counselling? What issues, in other words, have you had to face as a couple? Well, I think, you know, there's, whilst we have a wonderful constitution in South Africa, on the, on the ground, I think there's a, an extraordinary amount of, of homophobia. Um, it always makes me sad that some of the homophobia is fueled by, by the churches, you know, who, when you really, if you want to get down to nuts and bolts, you look at the Bible, you know, where, where in the Bible does Jesus ever make reference to gay and lesbian? I, I don't think he mentions us. But uh, so many, um, of these prejudices seem to be ascribed to to, to religion, I suppose. Um, but um, so before we go on, do you find a lot of uh, do you find a lot of sort of social issues as a couple? You know, moving around together. Do you find that people might stop you stop you doing what you want to do? I, I'm not sure how how where it well, might manifest. Well, for example, you know, we uh, we have a daughter and. Uh, you know, we've, we've experienced difficulties at school where kids have found out that we're a couple and she's been teased. Um, you know, there's many circumstances where I'd love to walk down the street holding my partner's hand but daren't because, you know, there's that fear. There's that internal fear that, uh, you know, you open yourself up to possible abuse. I mean, obviously there's areas where you can do so and feel safe and... <laughs> at the game there's been full yes, for yes. example we we love the fact that it provides a safe cultural you know a space where people can come and and feel safe and be out so to speak uh, just in terms of the festival you know lesbian marriage it's you know it's now legal here uh, i think there are a number of other countries around the world or a number of the states where it's it's legal is it something that has featured very much uh, in terms of movies Yes, uh, you know, there, there, a number of documentaries have been made about uh, the, the fight for, uh, or sorry, I beg your pardon, okay. the fight for um, equal equal marriage rights, um, uh, and I, I think it's just happening around the world. You know, in 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 Europe, most countries are uh, granting marriage rights. I think in France now, very recently, it's, it's going through. Um, but yes, it's a, it seems to be a worldwide phenomenon at the moment where, you know, in the States, it's, it's happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you look at the civil rights movement of the 60s, I think this is kind of the next step. <laughs> Sharon, we're going to leave it's it at that. We, 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 it has been a long journey, and I think that if people want to have their eyes open to how it, to how it is in the gay and lesbian community out in Africa, the film festival is probably a jolly good place to start, and it's starting tomorrow here in Cape Town from the 12th until the 21st, is that right? That's right, at New Metro at the VNA waterfront. Outinafrica.co.za? That's it, oia.co.za. oia.co.za, if you'd like to know more. Lovely. Sharon, Sharon Jackson, thank you very much. She's the Deputy Director. Thank you. Good luck, eh? Thank Thanks. you very much. Sharon Jackson, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that uh, talk about lesbian marriage. We're going to have more on marriage, uh, marriages of different kinds right throughout the month of April here on Otherwise. But next up, it's Sharp Sharp, at the children's program right now.